0: This is Self Work, and I'm Dr. Margaret Rutherford. Here at Self Work, we discuss psychological and emotional issues and what you can do about them, whether that's learning self-acceptance, taking action, or seeking therapy or treatment. Eight years ago, I extended the walls of my practice to reach those of you who are already very knowledgeable about mental health treatment, but also to those of you who might say, you'd never darken the door of a therapist, and yet you are here. I'll answer your questions while I invite you to take a few minutes for your own self-work. But here comes the major point of this episode. This isn't saying that you shouldn't talk about your depression, but choosing who you talk to and how to do it is very important to ensure that you feel understood and accepted rather than judged, ignored, or just told you need to buck up. Welcome to this week's edition of Self Work. In this episode, we need to have a trigger warning that we do talk about suicide. I was honored to offer a TEDx talk this past year in Boca Raton, Florida. It's entitled How to Recognize Perfectly Hidden Depression, as some of you who are regular listeners wouldn't be surprised by. And in it, I describe clients I've seen who would never have seemed depressed to anyone around them. Two in particular are featured. One tried to take her life. The other came in well before that happened, but admitted he'd also had thoughts about doing the same. Having thoughts about wishing for the end of your life is much more common than many people realize, and we as a culture need to talk about those thoughts with one another much more transparently, without judgment. It's also imperative that those with an intent to die by suicide should get the help they desperately need. Yet the distinction between having thoughts about it and having a suicidal plan to carry it out is vital to understand. The first is a conversation. The second requires immediate action by whatever mental health provider or family member is told. Suicide rates are skyrocketing, and those thoughts must be taken very seriously. But if you don't feel safe to reveal such thoughts or even talk about your depression, how are those conversations ever going to happen? So that's what we're going to talk about today, how to have those conversations, who to have them with and how to have them. Our listener email today is from a listener from Poland who is talking about estrangement, not having a relationship with her father. And we'll talk more about that is much more common than most people know. Before we go on, let's hear from AG1. If you're a longtime listener, you might know I've been drinking AG1 for at least four years. When I started drinking AG1 daily, I could feel such a difference in my stamina. And when I would forget it on trips, which they have travel packs, so there's no excuse, I'm very aware of that lack of stamina. I recommend AG-1 to my family and friends, and even my husband, who usually swears all things like this, has started drinking AG-1. And he always tells me, as do my friends who are drinking it, that they feel like they're getting the nutrients their body craves. That's because AG-1 is a foundational nutrition supplement that supports your body's universal needs, like gut optimization, stress management, and immune support since 2010. AG1 has led the future of foundational nutrition, continuously refining their formula to create a smarter, better way to elevate your baseline health. So get your free 1-year supply of vitamin D3K2 and 5 free AG1 travel packs with your first purchase. Go to drinkag1.com/selfwork. That's drinkag1.com/selfwork. I promise you, you're gonna feel better. My TEDx talk has garnered hundreds of comments, and I've read every one of them. Comments from several readers caught my attention. Basically, they responded, people tell us now that it's okay to talk about being significantly depressed. We see commercials all the time about it, but just try it. It still freaks people out or something to that effect. Sadly, I don't disagree. It will still freak out some people, or some may still have a very hurtful, condescending response, something like, how could you be so selfish? So today in this episode of Self Work, I wanted to focus on two aspects of talking about depression, even suicidal thoughts, that would hopefully lead to a safer conversation. First, picking who you choose as a listener, and then how you talk to them. Let me offer an analogy Imagine two people seated on either side of a long park bench. One is sniffling a little, looking sad, wiping tears away. The other is extremely upset, even sobbing. Which person do you think the average passerby might approach? It's the first one. Why? There are two reasons. Because there's some sense of knowing that the quietly crying person isn't completely falling apart, that they have the ability to calm themselves. And two, because then that passerby feels that their skills are adequate to help. It's a match. Yet many people who already are impulsive or have trouble calming themselves and who even may be struggling with destructive feelings will answer my question by saying, oh, the average person would approach the second person and are shocked when I offer my answer. I'm not saying I'm right, but I've heard a lot from people who are struggling with depression and then try to talk about it that it doesn't go well at all. If you're trying to listen to someone who's highly distraught, in incredible emotional pain, and even thinking about taking their own lives, and you haven't been trained on how to do that, to help them ground to themselves, for example, then that conversation is not likely to go well or be helpful to anyone. And then the average person will avoid what they don't understand or feel competent to handle. But here comes the major point of this episode. This isn't saying that you shouldn't talk about your depression, but choosing who you talk to and how to do it is very important to ensure that you feel understood and accepted rather than judged, ignored, or just told you need to buck up. There are many podcasts where people are sharing about their own struggles with depression and what it feels like to wake up and not know how deep your sadness or despair is going to be that day. People sharing what has actually helped them, like identifying triggers that cause depression to strengthen or to change your mood drastically. So there are those who can listen and help. We can't all go to therapists for various reasons, and yet it's so important to not feel alone. So here are some major points when we talk about who you can talk to. If you're in an emotional space where the best you can manage is to emote strongly, then doing that with a therapist or professional who's going to be able to enter that space with you and help you sort out your thoughts and feelings is important. In fact, that's often the way I talk about being a therapist, that my job is to hold a safe emotional space for the people that see me. And sometimes that emotional space is really distraught and really despairing. But I've been trained to know how to handle that and how to offer that safe space. Your friends and family might want to do that, but they may also not be comfortable themselves with such transparency. In fact, I've written a whole book on people who completely shut down rather than risk being transparent with their feelings and thoughts. It's far too scary. So if the only way you can talk about your pain is in a very, very emotional, dramatic way, then that's okay, of course. But you do need to seek out some professional help. Or, if not a therapist, at least you'd need to choose someone who has handled emotional crises themselves well or have struggled with their own depression. This group will know about the lies depression tells you. They will know how to normalize the fact that depression is a very real thing, that it's mental, emotional, and physical, and they'll understand how the symptoms can affect so much of your life. In fact, those podcasts often specialize in people sharing about their depression. One of them is giving voice to depression, and it's exactly what it says. People telling their stories about their struggles. Or the podcast host themselves may be someone who's faced really hard things and gotten through. But look around you. Maybe there's someone that you're not seeing that would have the ability to help you. Now, again, they may say to you, this is too much for me. And especially if you're talking about suicide, that's often a secret or an issue that a lot of people will say, this is too important. This is too vital. This is too serious for only me to know. And so maybe the two of you can go to a family member or they can help you find a therapist. But if your depression is strong, but you're not suicidal? You can ask a friend, hey, do you know someone who's gotten divorced or has a kid who's struggling with drugs or anything that you might be depressed about? I get a lot from talking with people who have panic attacks like I do. So don't forget, it's so easy to think that you're the only one with a problem, but you are not. There may be grief recovery groups. There may be drug treatment centers that run support groups. Don't forget that there may be people around you who do want to listen, who understand exactly how you feel. In fact, I think one of the things that's most helpful about going into residential treatment, although obviously that wouldn't be what everyone needed to do, but when you go, you meet and work with others who are dealing with the same issue and You like them, respect them, understand them, have empathy for them. So it helps you to let go of any shame you may have for being depressed because you see and hear other struggles while at the same time you see their strengths and you like them. AA is a lot like that as well. People who understand alcohol addiction, who get why it's so hard to stay sober, who've told themselves the same stories about their addiction as maybe you have and You go to meetings with them, and you don't look down on them. Rather, you look up to them for the very courage to go to meetings, show up, try, be vulnerable, and risk sharing. You may be saying, Now, Margaret, I'd feel funny about approaching someone to talk about something that was hard or still is hard for them. Remember, first, they can always say no when you ask. But second, I've found that many people are flattered to be asked. For example, if a child died, or you go through divorce, or you lost your home in a tornado, or whatever it is, or you've just been diagnosed with bipolar disorder. So how did you get through it? How are you getting through it? We're relying so much on social media these days, and you can get some good information there. You can also get some bad information there. But we can forget to ask someone, talk to someone who's in your neighborhood or who's in your church, someone you work with, a parent of one of your kid's friends. Plus, since they're not on social media, they won't likely give you the perfect-looking version that an influencer or social media icon might. Depression's not always wrapped up in pretty paper. It can be ugly and raw. So look around. Ask. Don't forget that you have people in your world that want to help. Here's another important point. Realize that your family or friends care about you, but they may find it hard to listen empathically. This is especially true with your partner or your spouse. Remember, what you're going through may affect them in so many ways. Your financial partners, parenting partners, domestic partners, sexual partners. So when you become overwhelmed, it may scare them in lots of ways. Now, that's not true of everyone, not at all, but they're not rejecting you. It's simply that they themselves might get emotionally overloaded and become afraid or sad. So again, I'm making my point again. Picking the right who you tell remains very important to getting the understanding you seek. And not personalizing when someone says, I just get scared when you talk about this. Here's one more point. It's about therapy. Make sure that if you're in therapy, that you feel safe to talk about any and all of your feelings. I almost hate to admit this. But I know there are some therapists who perhaps have never been in therapy themselves and really don't know how to create this safe space I'm talking about. Or I've been told that there are therapists who use your therapy hour to talk about themselves. That's not good therapy. Now, if you can't talk about or find yourself not talking about what's important, what's hard to say or hard to face, then you may not be ready. That's true, of course, but it could also be that your therapist isn't creating that safe space for you. Now, let's focus on the how you talk about it, how you talk about your depression. Start slowly if needed first. If you find it hard to reveal yourself at all emotionally, if not impossible as in perfectly hidden depression, then part of your how is to begin really slowly. For example, you can tell a friend you trust. I haven't told you through the years about how I really feel, what I really struggle with. It's hard for me to do that. That's all you have to say right there. If they ask you for more, you can say, you know, that's as much as I can say right now, but that was a start. A second point about the how. You want to collaborate with your therapist if you're struggling. And I stress the word collaboration. Some people seem to believe, in the comments noted this, that any revelation about thoughts about dying or wanting to die, especially if you make those comments to a mental health professional, that means you're going straight to a psychiatric hospital. And that's simply not true. Now, if you have an imminent plan, then yes, your therapist is going to say, I think you need to go into a crisis management unit. And after all, by choosing to be in therapy, you're asking for that kind of help, that kind of guidance, because sometimes you have reached a crisis and you need that kind of help. And outpatient therapy is not crisis management. But usually there are other routes as long as safety is monitored and others in your circle or your family know what's going on so they can support you and help you. That plan can include anything from more frequent therapeutic visits to maybe a change in medication or specialized treatments such as ketamine and what's called transcranial magnetic stimulation or TMS. And then find support from groups that offer healthy guidance and information. National organizations such as NAMI or Bring Change to Mind are available as well as many other nonprofit organizations such as the one I mentioned before called Giving Voice to Depression and one called This Is My Brave. So the who and the how you talk about your depression is really, really important. First, you could obviously go to therapist and make sure that therapist knows how to provide a safe space for you. If you talk to a friend or you join a support group, make sure that there's someone you trust that will hold your information in confidence and realize you can get support from local groups, online groups, whatever. No matter how despairing you are, there is someone that wants to know, there's someone that wants to listen, there's someone that wants to help. Here's our listener email from today, and it's from a listener from Poland. She says, hello. She gives her name and then says, I'm from Poland. One of my students told me once about your podcast. I'm working as a private tutor of German and English, so we've been talking about ways that he can improve his language skills. He told me that he listened to your podcast every night before going to sleep. The title of your podcast really hooked me in. So one day I began to listen, and now I'm listening to the 20th episode and decided to write to you in an email. I've been listening to you for two hours daily. That's really wild. Thank you. Your podcast is so informative, and your voice simply makes me calm. I'm 33 years old this year. I'm a patient of a psychiatrist, and I consult with a psychotherapist. I'm taking some medicine for my depression since March of last year. Frankly speaking, I recognized that almost three years ago, I had some troubles with my memory. There was no problem with my past, but I could remember the lessons which took place the week before. I'd been waiting two years before I visited a psychiatrist because of my mom. She suffers from schizophrenia as well as her two or three sisters and a sister of mine. I was afraid that I could have become ill if I had started taking some psychiatric medication, I'm not sure exactly what that means. She may be taking care of those people, and she couldn't afford to get sick herself. That sentence was a little confusing to me, but let's go on. Over my whole life, I was concerned about mental health, since my mom didn't take any medicines, and my dad left her and went abroad for a job. I used to visit him almost each year during summer holidays. As a child, though, I was happy that he left us, because he used to be aggressive against me and my mom. He's also addicted to alcohol. The saddest part of that for me was the fact that the rest of the family didn't know what was going on, and I felt like I needed to hide some kind of secret. I didn't have confidence to stop being in touch with him at least two or three times in the year until this year. Now I feel that I need to be confident to live my own life without him in it. Now, almost after one year of treatment, I've stopped feeling like I just wanted to be dead. It's like a miracle to me. To sum up, I've had three different therapies and I've benefited much from them. I just wanted to say thank you for what you're doing and I'm looking forward to listening to your other episodes. There's so many of them, (laughs) she says, fortunately. She's talking about estrangement. Actually, estrangement probably could use its own episode because so many people are estranged from family or friends, maybe by their own choice or not. This listener has chosen to estrange herself from her dad, and I loved her statement. I need to be confident to live my own life without him in it. Yes, yes, and yes. Someone, even a parent, earns your trust, and her biological father did little to nothing to do that. So it may be hard to leave a relationship behind you that you always hoped would be something it could never be, but you can choose to leave relationships where trust has been sabotaged. And this one certainly sounds like it was. Your hope that a relationship will change won't make it so. I think it was Maya Angelou who said, when someone shows you who they are, believe them. And that's true even with those whom we are biologically related to. I'm not saying that estrangement, deciding to leave a relationship that would be normal to have, or choosing to cut someone off who's been in your past, who you've been close to or involved with. I'm not saying that's easy. And if you've been left, if you're the one that was cut off, then it can really be hard. But estrangement is nothing to feel ashamed of. And certainly in this case, with this listener, it sounds as if a huge burden has been lifted. I'm so happy and honored to be a part of her growing and realizing her own worth. And I thank you and all of you and her for your listenership. And I hope my English is good enough to help her student. Thank you for being here. We should say, if you or someone you love is contemplating suicide, seek help immediately. For help 24-7, you can dial 988 for the 988 Suicide and Crisis Lifeline or reach out to the Crisis Text Line by texting TALK, T-A-L-K, to 741-741. And to find a therapist near you, you can visit the Psychology Today Therapy Directory. It's really good and lots of therapists advertise there in different areas. If money's an issue, there are online therapies like Talkspace and BetterHelp, and there are free health centers that will often offer both medical and mental health treatment. Of course, I hope self-work helps many of you I want to thank you all for listening and sharing and liking and reviewing self-work. It means so much to all of us here on the team. Now, we have a new way to support us. You can head over to our Zazzle shop and purchase an item or two. It will help offset the cost of keeping this podcast free. We've got mugs. We've got shirts. We've got all kinds of things, tote bags. The link will be in your show notes. But write to me at AskDrMargaret at DrMargaretRutherford.com and let me know what you like. Again, my gratitude for all of you being here. Please take care of yourself, your loved ones, and your community. I'm Dr. Margaret, and this has been Self Work.